0: This is efficiency on demand. On demand. High performance. Leadership. People think overwhelm, craziness. Craziness. No time. No time. No fun. No fun. Just work, 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 work. It's time to slow down, to speed up. You owe more to yourself. This is efficiency on demand with Monique. Monique is a high-performance and leadership specialist. During the show, Monique and her guests will share the harsh truth behind their success stories, what it means to perform on a high level and to be a leader in this world. It's time to take control of your time and live life limitless. This is Efficiency on Demand, and this is your host, Monique.
1: Welcome back to Efficiency on Demand with another episode just for you and you and everyone else out there. And we have a beautiful woman today on the show who is going to share her gift with us. And I'm really excited because I experienced that before, not from her, but from someone else who is really gifted with it. And I'm just so excited to talk about. So please welcome to the show, Danielle Sunberg. Hello, and thank you for being here.
2: Hi Monique, thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. I just need to acknowledge that seat you're sitting in, which is amazing.
2: Ah, yes, here, oh, for everyone damn. who can see it. It's this really cool, like wingback vintage chair that was reupholstered with colors that I chose that are like super vibrant, lots of reds and greens and yellows and purples. And this is my chair for all of my good thinking. So obviously this is the chair I need to sit in to talk to you.
1: Yes, I love that. And there is a, what's the bird called with those feather thingies? Peacock? Yes, the pea. yeah. Peacock? Is a peacock on there, right?
2: No, I think it is just very vibrant, like a peacock.
1: Isn't the head behind the pillow? Am I seeing this wrong, really?
2: Oh, this, yeah, I think it's a a dove.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I just made it a peacock, so it upgraded. (laughs) I love it.
2: Yeah, it upgraded.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, awesome. All right. So Danielle and I just found out that we've been living in the same city back three years ago and we both love it. And that's also kind of where uh, your gift started. But I want to start a little bit earlier and rewind and tell me what you actually done in, I want to say, your previous life.
2: (laughs) Right. And, you know, I think a lot of us are starting to blossom from Having one career and then taking this leap or pivot and then starting a totally second new career. Yeah. And that's what happened with me. And it's this really big risk to build up a career over time, education, experience, you build that resume or whatever. And then to just go snap your fingers, this isn't working, You're gonna do something else. Yeah. So for everyone out there who is doing that or thinking about doing it, you can do it. And I'll share my story about it. And, and so for me, I started off as an attorney. Mm-hmm. I was in Washington, D.C. and working for a big firm downtown doing commercial litigation, which really just means that I was defending big companies and rich people. Yeah, for great. violations from, from the government, <laughs> uh, well, I only say rich people because to afford the rates of the law firm, sure, you have to be able to, you know, have to bankroll it. So, and you know, it, it was like interesting, but I didn't really want to be dealing with people's problems, and like no one wants to be dealing with a lawsuit, and mm-hmm. so. No one was coming to say, Danielle, help me build something, help me create something beautiful in this world. It was all like the, the pain points of people's lives. And I just started to feel this inner sense of discontent and mm-hmm. I'd wake up in the morning and I wouldn't want to go to work, right? I would hear the alarm and and I'd want to press snooze, but not because I was tired, just because I really didn't wanna face going to the office. And it was just a whole like production every day, the same thing. And I would just live for the weekend and then work crept into the weekend. And then I would live for like the hypothetical vacation that I could take in my mind, you know? And I just felt so dissatisfied. But when I looked into the eyes of other people, I saw who they saw when they looked at that, when they looked at me, and who they saw was a person who had respect, financial stability. They were, you know, impressed. And when I spoke, they listened, you know, it's kind of like this ivory tower job, which means that I had achieved a lot to get there. And that demanded from people that they looked at me a certain way. And so they looked at me as though like I'd won the lottery in life. And I totally understand that. And I would see that in their eyes and I would say, okay, I'm worth something. I'm important and I should be happy. And I just wasn't. And so the gap between what I saw in other people's eyes and what I felt grew and grew and grew because I kept achieving to try and fill the gap, but it only made it wider because Mm -hmm. I just wasn't happy. And so what do we do in the West when we have this happen is we go to a therapist, (laughs) we go to a doctor and the training is just to pathologize it. So, you know, I I was told I was depressed, which was no surprise, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and given options to go on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication. And this would fix the problem of why I didn't feel the way that I should, quote unquote, feel. And eventually, with some help of other tools and, and things like meditation and other experiences I had, I... I kind of had a moment and then this moment I realized that the discontent I felt inside, wasn't a problem. It was a clue. It was a clue. It was a warning sign really saying, Danielle, you think that you have climbed this mountain and you're at the peak and that's nice. And you did climb a mountain, but you're not done there's more growth. There's another journey left for you. There's more for you to experience. You're not done becoming yourself. Mm. And if you don't go on this journey, you will feel incomplete because there's more for you to do. (laughs) And when I finally understood that and it clicked for me, okay, this isn't a problem to be pathologized and to be medicated. This is my inner wisdom screaming at me to keep moving, to keep learning, to keep growing. And so I had a three week long federal jury trial coming up and it was grueling. You don't sleep at all. And I got sick during the trial because I couldn't sleep and the whole thing was a mess, but it went really well. (laughs) And we ended up Winning, And the jury returned a verdict for my client, which essentially helped him avoid a $6 billion, with a B dollar judgment. And the day that we won, I know, right? Big numbers. Uh, the, the day that we won, we all got on a plane to fly back home to Washington, D.C. And one of the partners on the case called me and said, I'm going on vacation. <laughs> I need it. See you in two weeks. And I said to him, actually, you're not going to see me in two weeks because I'm I'm leaving the firm. <laughs> and he was stunned. You know, it's like, you just won this big case. Your career is on fire. How could you leave? Like, this is your moment. And exactly what he saw as my moment, I saw as the perfect time to go. Yeah. <laughs> so... I, I quit. I left the firm. My husband and I got married uh, like a month or two after that. And we packed our bags and gave away all of our stuff in our apartment. And with a backpack, we just left the country and we flew to Thailand, where you are, which in the city of Chiang Mai is what you had mentioned earlier. And that's where we started our global backpacking journey around the world, Where I just basically gave myself the opportunity to explore what makes me happy when Mm -hmm. I have nothing to prove, when I don't have to be the person that I built myself up to be and live the life that I've created in Washington, DC, where I wear, you know, Ann Taylor suits and drink a glass of Chardonnay after work and be this person, you know, and who do I get to be now that I don't have Mm -hmm. any rules or any parameters? And Thailand, to me, was a f- perfect place to start exploring because the East is so different that all of the customs and the norms and the values and the religion and the culture and the food and all of that that is familiar in the West is just different. Yeah. And so the things that I know aren't necessarily wrong in in Thailand, in the East, they're just not important. Right they just, they just don't matter. So you get to kind of recreate from scratch as if you're in a vacuum. And so I got to kind of discover who is Danielle when she gets to create her life. Yeah. And I learned a ton about what it means to connect to yourself. And through doing that, got connected with other skills and gifts that I had left behind in the West because we have certain value structures that don't value things like intuition and energy and basically anything non-physical that you can't describe with science and, ration and, and rational reason, logic, all of those things that basically make a good lawyer and got to kind of open up and receive them in a way that I had never done before. And so I learned about what it funda- fundamentally means to be human, what it means to um, have a heart and how to actually use our minds as tools. And and that led me, which I'm sure we'll get to, yeah. to becoming a Reiki master and a transformational coach and starting this health and wellness company that is incredible. I, I love it so much. And it's just basically um, hemp-based CBD products that are... And just phenomenal. I've had so many CBD experiences that were just like ineffectual. It was like taking a sugar pill. I didn't notice it. And I think a lot of people have probably had that experience. And so once I found a CBD that was extracted correctly and it was quality and cared for, and the plants were nurtured appropriately, that's when it connected for me that this is a tool that helps people connect to their own inner wellness. Mm-hmm. So just like with coaching and Reiki, where we do it with energy work and with the mind to help people connect to the inner truth for them, CBD is actually another tool that does that. So that's the long story short of how I am where <laughs> I am today.
1: Right. Ooh, okay. I love that. Let's rewind a little bit because you've said something that I think is really, really important for people especially in Western countries to hear and to know about and to also hear that there's something else available to them. You said when you slowly got to the point that you figured out, this is not really my life. Like I feel tired. Every time I wake up, I don't want to go to work. Like I push the snooze button. You were sent, or maybe you decided to go to a therapist and they were like, Hey, you look depressed. Here's a pill. And here's another one for anxiety. And I think that's really important and I don't want to diminish that there are people out there that are actually chronically depressed and that have really a hard time with um, anxiety attack, panic attacks, and that do need medication as a support. But I do feel that especially in the West, it's just a thing that is so so commercialized that we in the West are basically the uh, Money machines for all the pharmacy industries, for lobbyists who are pushing whatever is new on the market to keep up the patents. And I know that in the US, I think the medication that are basically influencing your central nervous system, which is like antidepressants, anxiety medication, all of these, it's an industry over 150 billion a year. 150 billion billion a year but how do we do that well there is a person maybe they're not feeling very content anymore and they're already depressed and I think those labels can be really dangerous for people as well if they don't actually apply I don't want to say that was what happened to you but I feel that I had a very similar journey although it panned out very differently and I changed my career about seven times but (laughs) But the thing is that I never felt depressed ever in my life. And I had all of the reasons, all of the trauma, everything. And I also never went to a therapist because I never felt like this was helpful to just talk through things and get asked all the time, like, how do you feel today, Monique? And I would just say like, shit, what do you think? You know, like I have the apartment, I have the car, I have the job. And I feel like, shit, what do you think that feels like? So it's, you know, that was never a journey for me. So I started to travel very, very early. And traveling was always a tool for me to actually, maybe it was like a meditation kind of thing for me as well, right? So I want to just talk about what you think this journey could have been for you. And I know it's very hypothetical, but... If only those tools you knew, you know now would be very much more openly available to everyone although that might mean that that all the farmer industry would make much less money because well you know those tools we know you and me know they actually help <laughs> but what do you think would it open up for people for example in America if they would know about tools and we get to them in a little bit but different tools just not only medic- medicating yourself and which i think is also numbing your mind what do you think would that do for people
2: so what you're getting to monique i think is really important and and hitting the nail on the head is that in the west what all of our options i think boil down to is that we disempower ourselves by giving our ability to own our wellness to someone else, whether it's a doctor or a therapist or an acupuncturist or someone who is kind of in that alternative medicinal space, whoever it is, it's someone else who we look to with authority and say, give me, give me my wellness. And what all of the tools that I've learned since my travels show me is that our wellness is thriving within us all of the time. And what that means is, when we feel disconnected to wellness, it's not something that we go achieve. We don't go get it by taking medicine, or doing the right exercise, or the right meditation, or buying the right, you know, products that make us, you know, more beautiful or thinner or whatever. What those things are doing is actually. In different ways, I'm generalizing and simplifying, but calming the mind, calming the storm of the voice in our head that criticizes us, creates stress and overwhelm and fear and anxiety. All those are layers that are like, if you can imagine a cloud around you that you can't see through, it's murky, and you can't see the wellness is still there. It hasn't ever left. You just can't see it through the cloud. So the tools are whatever works for anyone is great, whether it's it's medicine or Reiki or, you know, a walk in nature or psychedelics, you know, anything can be a tool if it helps clear the fog. And it's just remembering that fundamental truth that your wellness is in you all the time and it's just about kind of peeling back the layers to reconnect and get that aha feeling that uh, I'm home. It's that feeling of being home. Yeah. Yeah. And medicine is just providing an access point to that feeling. It's not actually necessarily giving it to you. Again, I'm, I'm very much oversimplifying it and I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking about it from that energetic space.
1: Yeah. I also want to say, and you mentioned that before, which is really important, I think that in my opinion, and mind you, I've taken all of my life, the most horrendous, hard medication because of the chronic illnesses I was born with. So I know what I'm talking about when I have to, when I say these things, at least from my own experience and my perspective, I'm not trying to put this on anyone else, but I feel like this is my experience with medication. I had almost two and a half decades of antibiotics, so much so that my body was already resistant and like I had to, couple them up and whatever. I had morphine for uh, more than seven months on the highest doses you were allowed to take at home because of a spinal injury. I had even uh, medication that you're supposed to only take through or during chemotherapy. And I didn't even have chemo, but they gave it to me because of the spine injury and it, it just, nothing helped my body is so resistant with any type of medication that at one point I just stopped it all. And I go, I went cold turkey. I cannot recommend this. Do not do this, but it worked for me. (laughs) I just want to give this disclaimer, but the thing is for me that a lot of this medication, what it does is really suppress the symptoms, but it does never get to the root cause. And what it also does is because it talked about it, it does hang a huge cloud over that inner wisdom. So it's kind of silencing what we are supposed to listen to. It was all the time for me, I had a lot of physical manifestation of underlying trauma that I never looked at. And um, until I actually started to leave all of this medication behind and it's coming up and I just let myself be in this pain. And mind you, it was horrendous pain. It's nothing that a lot of people would want to endure. And I had doctors saying that it's really unhealthy to let this pain be, but I'm getting to the point of being pain-free because I didn't medicate myself, because I didn't train my body to to having to rely on painkillers or antibiotics or uh, opiates, you know? And so... Um, I actually went down to the deepest, darkest root cause of what where this pain is coming from. And it's been, for me, trauma. It's not all the time, but it's a lot of times that I feel like there's underlying root causes that the medication is just numbing out. And I love how Buddhism teaches what depression and anxiety actually is. Depression, I don't know if you heard about that before. But depression totally, yes. Yeah, so depression is the consistent overthinking and basically the sitting on your past and, you know, um, regret or, or all of these like, oh, if I would have done this, if I could have done this, whatever, it's depression and anxiety is the fear of your future. Yes, right. And I love how Buddhism teaches that if you can stay in the present moment and just experiences what is... You will not be depressed or experience anxiety. And again, I'm not talking about the actual uh, mental health issue that can come up with uh, clinical depression or things like that. But I talk about the daily all the daily experiences that people have. And you were told you were depressed, but probably maybe you weren't. You were just trying to figure out what your life path is coming up. So what I'm getting to is actually, <laughs> what? how do you think people can make a difference, for example, of, is it the inner wisdom that's calling me? Or is it really something medical I should be looking at? And how do we address that in a world that doesn't allow us to think for ourselves when it comes to wellness? So
2: what we aren't taught growing up is what it means to have an emotion. Mm. Our emotions are just our reactions to life. And they're really these incredible tools, just like our five senses, you know, sight, hearing, touch, taste, smell. We give those so much credibility. Like when you put your hand on something hot it's hot. You take it off. You learn an experience from it. It's real. And you use that as a pattern to then not do it again. But when you have a feeling, it's not given that same attention. You just kind of have to get through it and try and be happy and think more positively or, or (laughs) something that is, it's just how we're taught to work through life. But if we can sit with an emotion and and be with it, even just for a little bit, there's wisdom there. And so for me, the wisdom was coming constantly, and I was ignoring it. And it was saying, there's more for you. This firm where I was being an attorney isn't the pinnacle that you think it is. There's more for you. Okay, if you want to take this job, take it, but you're going to leave. Don't don't pretend you're going to be here forever. You know, this is just a stepping stone to the next thing. And the longer I stayed, the louder that wisdom got. And what that meant was the more and more dissatisfied I got mm-hmm. because what we tend to experience is the contrast before we make a change. What I, and what I mean by that is we have to experience the, the negative feeling, the pain, the regret, the anger, the whatever, to a point that it finally is like touching that hot stove that we take our hand off and say something has to change. And for some people, they only need to experience a little bit of pain before they go, something's going to change. And some people need to get clinically depressed before Mm -hmm. they say something needs to change. And even then some people go further than that, you know, before they change or they just still don't and they never listen to the wisdom or it just never clicks they don't understand that they're getting wisdom so that emotional guidance is like really like if you can uh picture I can't remember the name you know they're just those little lines on the side of the road with the little bumpers you know that tell you you're going off the highway yeah you don't even get the and you go whoops and then you go right back into your lane yeah so the, the emotions like the sadness or anger are like those little bumpers saying, you know, you're, you're about to course correct. Otherwise, you're going to go off the road. And just listening to it is really all we need to stay in the present moment and get back to course correct. And then we're like realigned. Okay, now I'm realigned. Now I'm in my present moment and I'm satisfied. And then you notice something again, start to go da 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 da. You up, and then you realign, and then you're back in the present moment. And the longer you wait, the harder it is to realign because you veer further off course. And that's okay because I'm sure you learn a lot in that experience, right? It's all just how we grow.
1: Yeah yeah i absolutely love that i want to take a little break before we go into your gift and what it actually is that you're doing as well and how people can access that especially if they never heard of it and we're taking the break for now
0: (laughs) you're listening to efficiency on demand with monique monique We'll be right back after these messages. But in the meantime, find more resources at efficiencyondemand.com.
1: Hey, everyone. This is your host, Monique. If you want to learn more about time management, impactful leadership, mindset mastery, and energy efficiency, then you can now order my new book, The Time Method, and a Bullshit Guide to Creating an Abundance of Time. Just go to www.thetimemethod.com or you can click the link in the show notes below. And please, I would love for you if you can share, rate and review this podcast so many other people can find and benefit from it too. Thanks for tuning in. I really love to have you here.
0: You're listening to Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Monique.
1: And we are back on efficiency, on demand, and we're back with Danielle, and we're going to actually go into her gift and what it is, because I'm really excited to talk about this. So we were just, before the break, we were talking about how in the Western world, it's often not so accessible to go any, I don't want to say alternative route, but it kind of is alternative because we make it alternative but I would love for those methods and tools to be more available to people and even though they are knowing about it so I think what I mean with that is that when we go to doctors and it's the same in Germany although I have to say in Germany we have more availability also through our insurances that we have available to everyone to actually go and use acupuncture cupping osteopathy and anything outside of the what we would know as normal therapy right so that was my route to go because I didn't want to talk about all of these things (laughs) I was like I'm done talking just do something with me (laughs) and so I went through all of these a lot of Traditional Chinese medicine methods that uh, were available. So I wanna, I want to know what happened when you were in Thailand and how you got to specifically learn about the gift of Reiki. I would love to share that.
2: Well, first of all, I have to acknowledge kudos to Germany because in the States right now, we how many days away from our election and mm. all the fight about healthcare and everything going on. And so I just hearing that is so hopeful. So just wanted to acknowledge that. <laughs> and I, I actually didn't get into Reiki specifically in Thailand. Reiki is a, a Japanese um, energy modality. And if you've heard of chi, which means energy in Chinese or prana, which means energy in Sanskrit, the key in Reiki means energy in Japanese. And so you can kind of see that all of these modalities have a, a universal thread that they're connected with. And it is just universal life force energy, which is what Reiki means put together. And, the reason I got into Reiki specifically is during my time traveling in Thailand, it sort of opened me up to this gift of facilitating the movement of energy. And I didn't have a modality or like an organizational structure to house it in. So when I came back to the States, the modality that we're most open to is Reiki. Um, it's what I see most often. So I decided to pursue it and, and, become certified and trained in it so that I had sort of an organizational structure to deepen my gift in it. And you can think about it sort of like if Harry Potter never went to Hogwarts, he would still be a wizard, but he just wouldn't have all of the spells and the skills and the, the know-how, right, to use it. And so that's what I think about when I talk about being certified in it. It's not like the certification gives you the Mm. gift. You are born with the gift. Yeah, And the certification is more of an organization to use it how you want and control it. And I also want to acknowledge that everyone is born with this. I'm not special. Everyone has the gift of being able to move energy and sense it. And the easiest example I can think of is if you've ever walked into like a really bad party, you open the door and you come in and you're like ready to have a good time. And you're looking for the bar and you can just feel that the party is flat. Like there's awkwardness. Like you go in and you're like, oh, I probably am leaving this early. And you know, like in 10 seconds. Well, you don't even know what's going on. You haven't talked to anyone. There's no physical evidence that you have as to what's going on in this party. You sense it. You sense the group energy. And the same thing if a party's going really well. You probably just don't think about that as much because you expect it to go well. And so you just walk in and have a good time. But there's something about that experience that you are connected to the larger energy of the room. Or if you walk into, let's say a meeting and you can tell that something really awkward has just been said, or like maybe, you know, the revenue earnings of the quarter were just announced and they were really bad. And like you just, you don't know, but you can tell something really bad just happened in that room and you're walking in and you're like, Oh God, I should have skipped this meeting. There's something in your body that knows. Mm -hmm. So that's just sort of what it means to be sensing energy. And the more you practice the more you can get into nuance with it and understand it at a deeper level and train yourself to understand it with more degree of detail. Mm-hmm. So I realized that I had this gift in sensing energy and really enjoyed it. That's, that's the part that is the difference between people who pursue it and people who don't is that I got extreme satisfaction from being in touch with it and facilitating it. And for me, I think part of that came from the fact that it requires no words. So for you, you said you didn't want to go to a therapist because like, why talk about all this stuff? You didn't want to talk about it. So I I kind of, I love. I had a therapist who I actually really enjoyed and I did get tons of value from her. But what I learned is that the mind is the last piece of us to catch up. Mm -hmm. So if we're an integrative system that has this body, mind, spirit, emotion, all of these parts working together to create who we are, the mind is actually the last piece of it to catch up to what's going on. And so our energy, which is flowing throughout our entire system, is the first piece of us to know what's going on. And so the reason that I so enjoyed Reiki And facilitating energy movement is because it's like dealing with something at the outset before it becomes part of us that gets dealt with in our body, and our mind. So, for example, when we have experiences, our mind remembers them. We call those memories. And our body remembers them. And we don't have a language to really talk about the body storing memories, Mm -hmm. but it does. And the cellular level, our bodies store trauma. And with animals, they shake. So if you see two dogs like in a fight when they're done, you'll see them shake it off. And that's them processing the experience out of their body so they don't store it. But humans don't do that. We sit through a trauma in a chair or whatever, and have it happen to us, like, you know, as a kid, someone screaming at you or seeing something violent happen, and it just stays in us, and it lives in our body. But if we can deal with it at the outset, when it's still energy, before it's manifested physically, like chronic stress can manifest and create, you know, tons of heart problems, and and blood pressure issues, and, and so forth, if we can facilitate the movement of the energy of the experience before it has the chance to gain the momentum and live in our bodies and in our minds, then we can stay like you mentioned in the present moment. And it doesn't become a story that we live over and over again and repeat. So that is one of the reasons that Reiki is such a beautiful experience for, for me that I really like it and that I think it's just such a valuable way to approach life and, and just staying free and flowing and liberated and and with the present moment
1: yeah and I think a lot of people they um, who listen they may not have had any experience with that or they may not really connect with their energy and it took me quite a while because I was born pretty psychic I want to say and because of my environment, I was, I was forced more or less to suppress all of that. And so the experiences that I had and all of these psychic abilities, and they, they go pretty far as far as me being able to <laughs> see and say when and how people die and, <laughs> and then experiencing it, which is not fun and when you're a kid, like five or seven years old, and you repeatedly experience that, I start to believe that I killed those people with my visions and with my thoughts and with all of these psychic things coming up. And because there was no one around explaining that to me and me saying these weird things like, oh, look at this guy. He's going to jump off the balcony now and die. And then my mom would look at me like, what the fuck? You know, like, what? And then in this moment, he jumped and died. And then she was like, how did you know that? And stuff like that. So it's like, there's a lot of things that went through. And then I just started to train myself to suppress these things, because it was not something that I was supposed to do and know and be like. And and so I think that happens a lot, especially in Western society, we're not supposed to be psychic, and know all of these things and receive all of these messages, because that's way too powerful for anyone else around. And so I got these, I got them back last year, when I started rabbit transformational therapy. I don't know if you know RTT. No, I don't. It's a form of hypnotherapy, but that it goes a little bit deeper into the level of your uh, lizard brain and unconscious brain. And then uh, basically, it unlocks the emotional impact from the incidents that happened. And it can create, it basically brings you back to your default settings (laughs) that you were born with. And when I started that last year, it opened the floodgates of this psychic stuff. Uh, for me again and now i have to learn to use it or not <laughs> and so it's really powerful because this energy obviously there it comes a lot with energy right for me it shows up as you said in my body before i can sense it so that means i get a lot of nerve pain and that's not something fun to deal with but um it is what it is so i know when i have nerve pain there's something up Usually it has to do with people trying to trick me, being toxic, being manipulative, a lot of manipulation. So then I get nerve, nerve pain on the right side, my face slips down, fantastic. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's very interesting. I think a lot of people, if they don't know about energy, how it can show up and they're not connected with it, they probably would then go back to a doctor and now get pills again. So I guess with all of what I'm saying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to connect how, like, what would you say are different versions of how energy can maybe show up for people and how they can start to connect more to it.
2: Oh my gosh, I could go on about this forever. We could have a whole nother conversation about
1: this. Yeah. <laughs> so,
2: so the initial thing I would say is that we all have our own intuition, mm-hmm. right? That's one of the most obvious, but most ignored tools we have that senses the non-physical energy and tells us um, at its basic level, it tells us yes and no. We feel something is good for us, not good, like objectively good, but good for us or bad for us, Um, or that it's satisfying or it's dissatisfying. And really that's all you need. Because if you just keep following the satisfying feeling of your intuition, it'll keep leading you towards satisfaction. And that's really all we want is to be satisfied. So how do we connect with that intuition? Well, that's the tricky part because it's its actually very easy, but it's kind of like it takes mental gymnastics to get there because we want to think our way to connection and it has nothing to do with the mind. It's yeah. not part of the mind. It's a different place in our in our system. And so um, that's why we do things like meditate uh, and yoga and take walks in nature and do and do Reiki and all of these other modalities that aren't to do with the mind, that helps quiet the mind, because when the mind is quiet, that's when the other voice, that inner voice of wisdom, which is our intuition, has a chance to rise up and it turns up the volume and we get to hear it. It's always talking to us, but our mind is so loud and we're so used to listening to it that it has the mic. It always has the mic. And we forget that there's other voices that are like, give me a turn at the mic. <laughs> so when we can kind of take a moment to quiet our minds, which is the tricky part, how do I do that? Well, you know, you can try meditation, try Reiki, try listening to music, all those available options. So if we are able to quiet our minds, then we can hand the mic to our intuition and it will come up on its own. There's nothing that we need to do in order for that to happen. It will just happen on its own. And the more that we practice quieting our minds, the more that it becomes second nature. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is we have what are called clair senses. So this is getting a little bit wooier, but as we have our five physical senses, we have our five clear senses, and clear means clear. And so what it is implying is that they're non-physical. So for example, we have clairvoyance, which is what most people are familiar with, and that's something that you just described—is that seeing of the future. Now, it doesn't actually necessarily mean that you need to see the future in order to be clairvoyant. It's more like receiving information that isn't physical in a way that's visual. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't need to be future-oriented. Then there's clairsentience, and that one is most relatable to empathy. It's about clear feeling. And that's like what I was describing where you walk into a room and you have a sense of the energy in the room without Mm -hmm. knowing why you just feel the, the emotion of it. And you're like, oh gosh, or or, this is great or whatever. Right. So that's one that we're actually most easily able to connect with because emotion isn't physical in the first place. And we know that emotions are real. Mm -hmm. So the bridge to get to clairsentience is a little bit more traveled because we have this kind of quasi physical experience with feeling something and then there's a couple more different clear that you can google and and look up and they're all really interesting ways of receiving energy and getting in touch with the other things that exist in this universe that we're Mm -hmm. not always focused on giving our attention to but Mm -hmm. are are real
1: yeah Before we're going to wrap it up in a few minutes, I want to ask the last question about it because I really love how Reiki works, but I think we haven't touched on that yet a little bit. So I want to know how you use Reiki, how it works with your clients and like what, what basically do you do to help them and how do you help them with that?
2: So you can think of Reiki kind of like a massage without the touching, Mm -hmm. so for me every practitioner is different yeah but for me you lay on what's essentially a massage table and this is when it's in person it can also be done remotely Mm -hmm. and um, if it's remote you just sit in a chair lay on a bed and we together travel the body with the chakra system there's seven chakras that are located all along the spine. And we use those in Reiki as an organizational system to understand the energy that's being facilitated. And we just kind of move energy through all the chakras along the body. And then we can also extend to the uh, auric layers, which there are seven of as well as there are seven chakras. And so the experience of Reiki is you can be touched. It has a touch component but it doesn't need to be. And I personally don't. It's it's that feeling of relaxation, of, of balance, of restoration and peace and joy from the movement of energy in your body. So just as acupuncture does this by putting needles in the meridians and the nadis, which are energy points in the body, you could think about that if you're familiar with acupuncture which i think more people probably are as an analogy to reiki except there's no needles mm-hmm. we're just using focus to move energy along the body
1: so could Does you...
2: that give an explanation
1: yes definitely so i just want to make this a little bit more clear so let's just say someone comes to you lays down and says like something is stuck in the body and i don't know what it is can you help me move it remove it whatever So can you tune into this energy and also kind of figure out what is it? Maybe not very specifically. You can't maybe say, oh, you had a fight with your mother five weeks ago. That's what's blocking you. But maybe you can say, you know, there's energy that has been created. You feel maybe there's like some resentment, anger, it's stuck. Maybe you had something with your loved ones. Like It could be broader, but something that will then create for them the connection to, oh yeah, like, you know, five weeks ago, I had this with my mother. That's probably what it is. Is that something that you also do and that you're able to create for them to then, okay, let's work on this specific energy and move it and remove it. And or is it something that you don't do?
2: Yes. Yes. To use a very concrete example, if someone came and was like, I would love to have Reiki to help me deal with feelings of insecurity at work or I had a really bad breakup and I just feel terrible or, you know, I just had a bad accident and my shoulder is really hurting. It could be any of those types of things. We'll talk about what the issue is that's going on for the person and get to a little bit more of the root of what they're feeling and what's going on to the extent that they're able you know, and it's not a long conversation, maybe five minutes. And um, we create an intention for the practice, which is to address it, to reveal something about it that will help them heal from it, to find clarity in it or to find um, movement from it. If it's just something stuck like grief and they just don't want to be in that feeling anymore, just to let it go. And then we use that intention to focus on where in the body based on what chakra it's cord- coordinated with uh, to focus there and then help facilitate that out. And in moving energy, a lot of times it's during that session that I receive information about what's going on. And it may be very specific, like you mentioned, like, oh, you had a fight with someone and, and it's stuck there, or it could be you know more general, just like you know, based on the chakra system that I see, let's say, for example, in your solar plexus chakra, which is right above your navel. This is the chakra associated with your willpower and your sense of confidence in stepping into the world authentically in the way you want to. And if you're feeling insecure at work, likely your solar plexus chakra is going to have some stuff that we can clear. Mm-hmm. And in doing that clearing, it might reveal uh, a connection from the solar plexus chakra to the root chakra. And the root chakra is all about feeling safe and secure and rooted. And maybe in that connection, I'll understand this insecurity you're feeling at work has something to do with not feeling safe. And that's enough for them to then have that revelation on their own about what it, what it might be the Mm. root cause of that
1: yeah I love that I love Reiki I love the energy work there are so many different modalities but I really love also how non-invasive it is especially because there's no touching and doesn't have to be and you still for the people who may even not be connected to the energy yet it can be a really beautiful step into doing though because it was for me especially as well One of the things, I think it was like five years ago or four years ago when I had my first session in Chile from a Chilean woman who's done Reiki um, for 20 years or something like that. She's been really, really early with that. And it was really beautiful because I felt something. I couldn't say what it was, but I felt something moving in my body. It was like, this is weird, but I take it. (laughs) So... (laughs) And it helped. So it was awesome. I love it. Danielle, let's wrap it up. Two more questions for you. And then we're going to share where people can find you and what you're going to have to offer. So uh, first of all, I want to know what does efficiency mean to you? Wonderful. So efficiency
2: for me is completing a, a task or a project or the goal or whatever in the way that feels most effortless. So it, I think, you know, initially I think of efficiency as time related, that it's done fast. Um, but as you know, you could do something fast and do it really sloppily, or it could cost a lot by doing it really fast. And so the delegation of resources isn't always efficient, even if the time component is fast. So to me, it means with the least resistance or Mm -hmm. more effortless so you could use a lot of one resource like time or money but it feels like the right resource to use so that once you've done the thing it feels like you've done it efficiently
1: yes energy management I love it Mm -hmm. um the last question that we always ask all of our guests you have to push the reset button on your life and business. So we wipe it out, but you keep all of your knowledge. Which of the three things that you know, are you going to repeat doing to get back to a life fulfilled and full of success?
2: So the first thing I would repeat is my childhood. Mm. And for all of its wonderful memories and all of the pitfalls and, you know, the traumas that happen when we're kids, I wouldn't ask for a quote unquote, perfect childhood because it helped me to grow and develop my sensitivity to energy and bring me on this path that I am here now. So that's number one. Number two is I have to say meeting my husband, right? (laughs) <laughs> that has to be something that i would repeat <laughs> i mean <laughs> um, and you know the world brought me him in a way that i know that he's meant to be a part of my life because i rejected him multiple times in mm-hmm. multiple ways <laughs> and he just kept coming back in and and not in the way that he kept asking me out it was just the universe kept bringing him into my my orbit. And I was like, I can't get rid of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> then I finally was like, I better I marry him day.
1: then. <laughs> I love it.
2: <laughs> so I feel like that one I got to keep. And then the third one would be, you know, the, the traveling, the backpack experience around the world. That's something that I know you love traveling. And for people who have the travel bug, you know, being that tumbleweed to get to just Move through the world and experience all corners of the globe in the way that humans are in all these different regions and different social norms and customs, etc., is such a gift. It gives you such a sense of comparison, right? To know that the way that we grow up in our own little sphere, kind of, of influence is is just a sphere. It's not the entire world. It's not the entire reality. And things that we might think are objective become subjective really fast once you kind of get out of that and get to travel. So that's number three.
1: I love that. And it's just reminded me, you know, how I think it's very, maybe it's very Swiss, but in Switzerland, all of these little cheese pieces are under this tiny glass lid, the half yeah we have a we yeah. have a, we have a n- name for it in Germany obviously we have a name for every little thing but it reminds me like you you kind of if you're under this glass lit like it's a half it looks like a half round kind of thing that you put on top of the cheese <laughs> to keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. But you look outside and you see it but you don't experience it and traveling takes the lid off. Right, you're suddenly outside of the comfort zone, and you like just you get sucked into it. And I just want to acknowledge how this 2020 has been taking away that from so many people who identified also as a traveler. And it's kind of a yeah, it's like it's there's some sadness and grief coming with it if you're suddenly being trapped somewhere (laughs) or. Or you just have to re-identify that part of yourself, not being a traveler anymore, which wasn't by choice. So it's very interesting. Now that we're at the end, tell everyone, please, where they can find you and what they can find there.
2: So you can find me for Reiki and coaching um, at my website, which is my name, Danielle Sundberg. Do you want me to spell it? Go ahead. N-I-E-L-L-E-S-U-N, like the sun. B is in e r g dot com, and you can also find me on Instagram um, with the account Your Genius Within. It's all about that inner wisdom. And then if you are interested in CBD and those products, my company is AMA Healing, and that's A M M A. And it's amahealing.co.
1: Yay. And we will have linked your website and the Instagram below in the show notes. Don't forget to scroll. And while you're on the way, leave a rating and a review so that everyone who needs to hear about Reiki can hear what Danielle has to share with us. So thank you for being on this podcast today, Danielle. It was amazing to have you and being able to share your gift with the world.
2: Thanks so much, Monique. This was so much
0: fun. You've been listening to Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. We hope you've learned that you too can unlock your ultimate potential, how to control your time, create some clarity in your crazy life, and how to live life limitless. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please follow on Instagram at TheMoniqueLindner. We'll see you next time on Efficiency on Demand with Monique. Remember to slow down to speed up.